cubes! My wonderful cubes! All gone! <laughs> now I'll never rule the world! I hate this job! Can the world oppose the deadliest of foes? Greetings, mortals, and welcome to another podcast, But Evil. I'm Dan Oster. And I'm Doug Leaf. And today's subject is the villainous Cobra Commander. Get ready for this voice a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go right for the uh, the sneak. <laughs> uh, anyway, We're going uh, to blow up this podcast. We'll blow up the ocean. That's the first thing I thought of when you said Cobra Commander, too, which I is a parody. Well, my- my impression is uh, weak. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say weak as well, but that's not. <laughs> that's not going to stop us. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about this one. It was a toss-up between Skeletor and Cobra Commander. We wanted to do a Saturday morning cartoon villain. And uh, we've been spending a lot of time in the fantasy space, so we thought we would move over into sort of the kid-friendly terrorist space. <laughs> right. Let's... <laughs> Uh, I can't think of other things in this genre, but I'm sure there's got to be a few. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small, small subgenre. Uh, as always, if you're fans of the podcast, we like to remind you up top uh, to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get the word out to other people, and uh, we just appreciate it on a human level. Yeah, and uh, or uh, tell a friend is also good. Get someone else to listen to us and say, "Hey, give it a shot." Word All of right. mouth. So, Cobra Commander. Um, I, so I had thrown this one out to you as saying, Hey Dan, pick just whatever you feel like I'm down for. Uh, and you went to this one. I, I'm curious as to why, other than the fact that it is a Saturday morning cartoon villain that we haven't done. Like, was there a reason you were drawn towards this particular villain? Well, uh, like many men of a certain age, uh, I grew up with the Joes and, uh, Cobra and, you know, I just, I have a, a strong memory of this organization as, well, you know, it's funny. I mean, on the one hand, it's impactful. On the other hand, I'm really excited to hear from you about Cobra and kind of what they were up to because, you know, some of these plot lines for a kid's show, it's kind of funny. I mean, to like, it's one thing when they're, when it's like the gummy bears or something, and I assume, you know, they want to steal the gummy bears secret gummy formula or whatever the hell happened on that cartoon some really simple plot lines but with gi joe you got into things that were like you know like this episode's about some sort of propaganda you know campaign or something you know it had this weird sort of political element to it yet it also existed in this heightened reality where people were just aware of this organization and yet could maybe if things went south start to support this organization you know i mean it was a it's just a very strange thing so i really kind of am curious with my adult mind uh how i'm going to look at this uh this setup this world that i grew up with i mean i'm I'm kind of eager to check it out again and revisit it yeah i was too Uh, this was not a formative cartoon for me although i did grow up in i was born in 1980 um so it's not like you could escape it it was in the zeitgeist there were just other 80s cartoons that happened to I happened to fixate on more uh like I was really into Voltron and Thundercats and stuff so I've got my 80s cartoon holograms not so Strawberry much shortcake uh, I some of that. but you know I so I have my 80s cartoon bona fides but you know I couldn't watch everything but I certainly saw my fair share of this show I had a, a friend growing up my best friend who lived around the, the corner from me um his he came from a military family and so they, he was definitely more into it because, like, his dad was a Marine who did two tours sure. in Vietnam. Like, yeah, the military was part of their lives. And I don't it's think... It's unapologetically jingoistic. Yeah, I, I think... We, <laughs> I think, no, I mean, you're right. I, I think to, to really do justice to this character and the G.I. Joe property that he comes from, uh, we're, we should spend some time talking about the environment politically that birthed this show and right. American Reagan, exceptionalism. Yeah, Reagan era yeah. in particular patriotism. Okay, so G.I. Joe's themselves, the the toy line, had been around since the early 60s. They were created right. back then I presume is some sort of way to say, like, we gotta sell Barbies to the boys. Right, because um, if you had the toys, 
during the 80s, you knew them as these little eight-inch tall Less. plastic uh, figures. Yeah, the, and, 80, the uh, 80s incarnation are the same size, and I don't think this is an accident. They are the same size as the Star Wars Kenner action figures that okay. exploded in popularity. But Star Wars predates G.I. Joe by a few years. Star Wars is 1977. Yeah. The G.I. Joe cartoon that we all grew up with comes around in like 82, 83. Uh, well, I will say the G.I. Joe toys did have an impressive number of points of articulation. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, that if you grew up with them in the 80s, that's what you were familiar with. But the the dolls, essentially, that you're talking about from like the 60s were closer to like Barbies. They're a foot tall. Yeah. yeah. And they have like cloth clothing and stuff. Yeah. Right. And they didn't have really any storyline to go with them there's and there is no opposing force it's just the gi joe characters that are kind of more generic military figures right it wasn't like this guy's good at football you know (laughs) his name's touchdown and he wears his jersey like they weren't doing that stuff yet no that's all the 80s cartoon and and i think for i mean we can talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's post 1980s gi joe but i'll admit I'm not very familiar with it. I did look at it a little bit for research for the podcast, but I have I don't. Oh, have you're talking about like the comic books and stuff like. There's that? a whole universe of comic books. There are multiple GI Joe series that went on long after you know we outgrew them. So they they revisited. There were reboots. There were some live action movies in the last couple of years. Um, so again, I did dip a toe very little into this, so we can be able to talk about it, but. When I when I think of GI Joe, I think, and most people roughly our age think of it, they mean the the what's called the Sunbow cartoon from 1984 through 87. Mm-hmm. That's GI Joe to most people, and that's and, the one we'll know, be working on. An era off of. which had amazing theme songs for these cartoons. I mean, everybody remembers like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Although I, I like to make fun of Jen whenever she does, it comes up, whenever she sings the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song, she just kind of goes up and down the scale. So it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's how she does it. Instead of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Anyway, a song she so likes to sing a lot. Songs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of fun over here during quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, G.I. Joe did have, I mean, it's just like bombast. Uh, set to music it's amazing you know gi joe real american hero that's actually the name of it. it's not the cartoon is not gi it's gi joe subtitle a real american hero that's the show yeah, yeah. and they i mean are, it's just yeah. there's the simplicity of that universe i think was very appealing to a kid yeah know? and it's a it's an again an interesting point in american history when they decide to revamp this and what they do with it to to make it you know they they basically sat down um hasbro who's the the toy maker sat down with marvel comics to develop the they said we, we want to revamp gi joe for the 80s you know here's our ideas um help us develop these characters and a world for them and then ultimately with the idea towards creating a set of comics and out of that the original TV show that we grew up with. So you have a lot of Marvel to thank for this and once and I didn't know Marvel had any hand in it until I started looking at this stuff for the show. And now that I know that it makes total sense as to why you get yeah, these they really are distinct much, characters. Right. They are very much like just members of of like the Avengers if you look at it. They're all very specific in what their area is and ha- and what how they dress. They don't have any kind of uniform or whatever, you know. And that it's such a goofy concept. I mean, it's really hard to separate that out from that time period because you know, they, they did do these live action movies and stuff, but it's just, you're, you can't do that in real life. There would never be this like organization within the military that allowed them to like wear costumes and kind of have like total autonomy. I mean, it's just, it's a, such a bizarre <laughs> idea. But for yeah, a kid, the, it's great. The Constitution clearly delineates uh, war-making powers to Congress, not the president, <laughs> not certainly not the Joes. So, right, right. Um, the Joes are an independent organization. I mean, did they ever get into that and in like like the structure? Of the who's Joes? in command? Who they answer to? I don't know. Isn't yeah. Duke in charge or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's about as complicated as it got. Which, by the way, his name is Duke. Like, no coincidence that like that's John Wayne's nickname. You know that they're right, right. They're they're, right. ev- they're very much evoking what would later be sort of satirized as America, fuck yeah. Like, that is well, what this is, you know? It's actually kind of strange when you think about it, because if you tried to make 
a cartoon like that today, I mean, you just wouldn't, it'd be too divisive. I mean, there just wouldn't be an issue. It's like, you know, we've got to stop football players from kneeling during the national anthem. You know, like, <laughs> what, <are they> gonna, <laughs> what would their problems be? We're going to allow mail-in voting far and wide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> We're registering illegal immigrants. <laughs> <laughs> dead people. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, it's like you couldn't really do it now. And, and I guess what worked about it was that they just invented some ridiculous enemy of no national origin with plots that were, you know, ridiculous. And there you go. Well, but sometimes, like, involving some concept of, like, geopolitical strategy which i i find amusing yeah i mean you still are dealing with the kind of shit that like oliver north would do you know like there's these like arms sales and they're worried about terrorists disrupting uh the oil supply and things like that like that stuff does come up but as you mentioned in an abs- yeah. a beyond absurd way i don't know when this was being developed if there was some talk of like well they'll go up against the soviets you know, right? And they said, well, no, right. let's not make it the Soviets. Let's make it Cobra. Um, so, I don't know how that came about. I wish I could have found that. I was looking for, like, interviews with the creators and stuff to see how they developed it. But I just couldn't – didn't find that stuff. What was Cobra's goal at the in the end? Were they trying to just, like, seize control of the United States and assume that, that the population would go along with it? Like, what was their end game? Uh, world domination, as is uh, right. per usual. Same thing we do every night, Pinky. So the backstory didn't really come along during the the main run of the G.I. Joe TV series. Towards the end of that, they started developing a movie, um, sort of like they did with Transformers. There was an animated Transformers movie out of that series, which was, I think, worked on by the same people because Hasbro owned that toy line, too. And actually, the G.I. Joe movie was supposed to come out first. For some reason, there were delays, and, and the Transformers one came out first. It wasn't that big a hit, and this was went straight to video. But setting aside all that stuff, um, they put in there, they finally gave you a lot more of, like, who Cobra really is and what they want and, like, Cobra Commander's backstory. And it is batshit crazy um so i do remember some of this they're like a race of snake people or something kind of yeah um so they there which was which is funny because now there are people running around that legitimately believe in the reptile the people, lizard so. people yeah there you go so the, <laughs> the best part about this by the way you can find it's like a youtube clip that's like about two minutes of uh the cobra leader giving this backstory played by burgess meredith which is awesome to have Burgess Meredith deliver this monologue of Cobra's history. Um, Listen up, you bums. (laughs) The glory of Cobra law. Um, So Cobra law is this ancient civilization that was like in charge of the earth, like 40,000 years ago before the ascent of man. And they are, so they were here first. They were here first. They are somewhat, their civilization is somehow like partly crippled by the ice age and man becomes a threat and they are forced to retreat into secret caves in the Himalayas. And from there they plot their revenge, uh, which is to take the world back from humans and Cobra Commander, where we finally get his backstory. So we should mention, you never see his face in the cartoon. He's always, you know, either wearing a, a hood with two eye holes or a chrome featureless mask. But uh, so they say that. Yeah, that just, mirrored helmet. I think that was very appealing to me as a kid because you just never saw anything like that. It was a very strange bit of attire. <laughs> you know, I love it. I always, it always left me to wonder just how can he see anything? Um, oh, yeah, no, it made with, no sense. But it, you know, it looked cool. And I will say, as we talk about this, I just another thing I like about Cobra Commander is he's so clearly not the guy to be in charge. He's, you know, he's got this like screechy, high pitched voice. He loses his shit all the time. I mean, he is the comic relief of the series. He's great. Yeah. He, he, I think that's one of the reasons I think we're we're talking about him now is you know that he this is a very effective character even though he is a very ineffective villain right he's constantly failing and in fact you the just ro- wonder why they don't just take him out and put you know Destro in charge but well you know, somehow actually that that is a th- a constant through line in the show is 
you know, uh, one is like the ideas of like other people trying to take him out from within the organization saying, this guy is, doesn't know what he's doing. You know, like Destro tries at one point at the, towards the end of the series, um, or sorry, at the end of season one of the series, they decided that was a looming question of like, why do they let this guy keep running it? And that's where you get Serpentor. So the Cobra organization decides to create a new leader by combining DNA from despots throughout history to create the perfect super leader in Serpentor. Plus some snake. Plus some snake. So he's like a man (laughs) wearing... snake in there. He's a man wearing an absurd snake costume. Yeah. But he he becomes the leader and Cobra Commander is stuck as his number two for season two and constantly plotting how to get back in the number one slot. So they do deal with that. But anyway, um, so Cobra's commander's origins in That's this one version. of the more plausible interpretations of what might happen between now and November. That yeah, the Republicans that... <laughs> will <laughs> unveil Serpentor. <laughs> They'll run him. We cloned <laughs> Joseph McCarthy and William Jennings Bryant. <laughs> so uh, so oh, Cobra Commander is a Cobra Law nobleman and scientist, which, of course, he everything about him connotes nobleman. Um, <laughs> and you see him, you do see him briefly. He's wearing like this kind of cool... Atlantean, like like uh, Atlantis kind of like outfit. He's got like like armor, and he's got like kind of this weird snake belly. But he's got this blue skin, like light blue, sort of a Doctor Manhattan looking skin. And he's a scientist, and he's working on some sort of like weird looking flower that blows a bunch of spores in his face. And then he like goes like no, and grows a bunch of eyes all over his head. So he's got like eight extra eyeballs. Oh. And then they tell you like he was. Yeah. It's like the guy narrated, the Cobra leader says, like, he was a nobleman, but he was brilliant, and he was disfigured in an accident. But that's not really important, because I still felt he should be in charge. And so I sent him out into the world to ultimately vindicate Cobra law and bring back our civilization. So he's the guy chosen as leader by that guy, whose name escapes me at the moment. So that's Cobra Commander's origin story in the cartoon. Okay. And like I said, really out there. Apparently, yeah, you know, and all that stuff, you know, when you get deeper into the lore, then I, I, I kind of glaze over. I just like it when it's just this inexplicable war between these colorfully dressed soldiers who answer to no one and similarly outlandish villains shooting lasers at each other. And this is the world that we live in. And somehow in the margins, a society functions where where children are constantly imperiled at the end by (laughs) downed power lines and Mm -hmm. strangers offering them candy in the park or whatever. (laughs) Well, now you know. Knowing is half the battle. Um, Yeah, I just like, I just really like the simplicity of it before uh, they started to feel the need to explain things. I mean, as you watch it, it really does feel like kids just playing with action figures going pew, 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 pew. Yeah. You know, it has that feel to it. Um, And Cobra Commander, um, voiced by uh, an actor named Chris Latta, uh, L-A-T-T-A. Um, he's most known for this and, not surprisingly, playing Starscream, Starscream! with the exact yeah. same voice. Yes. Um, hey, if you've got that voice, you should use it all the time. Which is, I got to say, in the acting biz, this is what they call a choice. Um, because, <laughs> like, I can imagine them reading a bunch of people for Cobra Commander, and they're like, well, what is, who's this Cobra Commander guy? They go, well, he's the leader of this you know, uh, international terrorist organization are trying to take over the world. They go, oh, okay, well, what if I played him with some dark and sinister voice? Like, I bet they got a lot of that stuff. And then this guy comes yeah. here and said, what if he sounds like he's got his balls in a disposal? <laughs> and they go, that's our, that's our Hitler. Right? Well, you have enough people, you know, on the other side that sound like that. I mean, Duke and all those guys, they all talk like this, you know? Dest- I think so- Destro kind of sounds like that. Right, so you might as well have somebody who mixes it up. And who's the one that we remember? So right. there you go. No, no, you're right. I mean, it, the, someone went in there and you're like, wow, that's, you know, it, it's extreme, but it works. And it fits in with something I read that the writers did say about the character. And they said they were having trouble writing him as like a Hitler type, uh, which is sort <laughs> of what, which, which is what he's supposed to be on paper, right? He's the military right. leader that's trying to take over the world. They said they had trouble writing that and making it effective. And they said when they started writing him like he was Wiley Coyote, it's all started to click into place. And that is what we get. Right. Like he is right. absurd on so many levels. 
like you love you want sometimes it's good to have a villain you love to hate that you're not scared of at all right and as a saturday morning cartoon villain i don't find cobra commander in the least bit scary like he is constantly no, tripping over you, himself from moment one you know he's destined to fail yeah he's completely incompetent and in a lovably hilarious way like it's so fun to watch him fail because he's so over the top and constantly now, screaming about taking over the world and at last you you know he's constantly giving that like the the villain monologue that would get parodied <laughs> later over and over again sure. and like the incredibles that kind of thing yeah well you have to appreciate his undying optimism and <laughs> his own abilities so what are some of the plots that okay. cobra commander was in I, charge of i, I know thought you have we should, some of them there i i pulled up the list of episodes from Wikipedia, just they have a list of G.I. Joe episodes. And I think this is why this cartoon worked so much and why we remember it um, is because of this stuff. Like, and it, it's amazing. So in the first like five or six episode arc, which was like the what they all they originally produced, eventually the plan is to steal some sort of a space laser that is then being used to disintegrate the Earth's core. So we're already in Dr. Evil territory at minute one of this mm-hmm. show. Um, here's one I found. Episode 19, Cobra Stops the World. Uh, this is the description. Cobra uses a cloaking device to make oil tankers disappear so they can detonate them by remote in an effort to take control of the world's fuel supply, unless G.I. Joe can stop the bombings. Mm-hmm. So there you are, like, cloaking devices on oil tankers. Right. Like, on the one hand, the ability to control fuel is a legitimate military strategy, but here we are, cloaking devices. And also, they're going to do it in, you know, 20 minutes. Right. In a plan, here's uh, episode 20, Jungle Trap, written by Paul Dini, by the way, of who, oh, who people would Batman know. Batman the Animated Series fame, yes. Right. He's the, the architect of Batman the Animated Series. I guess he, I don't know if he got his start on G.I. Joe, but he's list- credited as the author of this. In a plan to attack the world's cities with lava, Dr. Shakur, a scientist who invented the Vulcan machine, is captured by Cobra. G.I. Joe must head into Cobra's jungle base, rescue the doctor, and stop Cobra from carrying out their mission before these cities literally become hot spots. So, flood the world with lava. <laughs> I do remember a lot of jungle bases. Oh, yeah, everybody had a jungle base. At least one. They, especially, like, if they look like a skull, that's even better. Um, I guess they never really got into who's funding Cobra. A little bit. I believe some of the henchmen, like, their job... They're, they're, I remember reading a reference to a couple of the henchmen who were, like, they're not official Cobra employees. They're, like, Cobra contractors, and their job is to, like, drum up funds for yeah. the Cobra organization. Um, here's one. Cobra's Creatures, episode 21. Cobra uses a special weapon called High Freak, F-R-E-Q, short for high frequency, given to them by an evil scientist named Dr. Lucifer, which a mind control (laughs) device, which is a mind control device that takes over all animals in the animal kingdom, including Mutt's dog, Junkyard. G.I. Joe has to stop Cobra's high frequency device and save every animal in the world, especially Junkyard, who isn't man's best friend, but Mutt's worst enemy. (laughs) I mean, it's like all this. They're (laughs) You know, like at this. the beginning of this podcast, I said that some of these plots felt like they had some kind of geopolitical strategy that could be extrapolated into the real world. I'm taking it all back. These are ridiculous. Well, not all of them. I mean, some of them do have more. Here's one that, like, starts out more realistic. I mean, it goes insane. But, like, there's right. something to this. The Joes discover Cobra's plan to invade the Rocky Mountain chemical weapons arsenal to possess explosive gas. All while under the scrutiny, here's where it goes, the left turn, all while, <laughs> so under, so all while under scrutiny from Hector Ramirez, host of the television show, 20 Questions. <laughs> <laughs> I could spend the rest of the podcast just reading these because they're all amazing. They're all, yeah. you know, every single one of them is, is like that. Well, Clip, the writers um, are clearly having fun. I mean, there seems to be like a heavy dose of irony in some of this. Th- this feels like, so- the, you know... Um, the writers were heavily inspired by, and I don't know if this is true, but it feels like they're going off of like James Bond, but only Roger Moore, James Bond. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just getting these like really ridiculous plots to ultimately, you know, steal weapon or deploy weapon by hilarious means. There was one that involved yeah, so like shrinking people. Most- that kind of stuff. It shrink, <laughs> right. shrink is wait, wait, shrinking people and putting them inside Christmas presents. 
<laughs> it could work. Yeah, you know, it sounds like most of these plots were just there to entertain a child for the duration of the episode. You don't have to think about it too hard. I do remember an episode where, like, I don't remember if they went into an alternate reality or there was, like, some time travel involved, but there was it was Cobra Victorious. Like, what would happen mm. if they were in charge and i think they ran into like some you know homesteaders or whatever who were like you know oh, don't say anything bad about cobra i just i'm just trying to imagine like a world where you're like ah what's what's cobra commander said today <laughs> you know on twitter oh boy not that Jeez. different no i know it's actually maybe it isn't that different <laughs> yeah 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 and at the head of this like you said we've talked about like this stuff only works with a character like Cobra Commander at the helm of the bad guys. I think, you know, you if you had a character who was like played with, you know, this immense gravitas and power, I don't think that would match the tone. You know, like I think the the tone of the series um yeah. demands this type of villain to be defeated over and over again in a way that at least until recently I thought was like this is really a a creature of the 80s this type of cartoon because I mentioned Thundercats at the beginning, and Mumra, the villain of that show, same kind of stuff, right? Every week he would have some zany plan, or um, uh, I forget the bad guy's name, but on Voltron they would, you know, create some sort of doomsday monster. They'd form Voltron, they'd kill the monster. Next week it would happen again, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that formula felt very '80s to me, until uh, my daughter fell in love with a show that you can you can see it on Netflix. I'm sure it originally was somewhere else, but it's called uh, Miraculous, The Adventures of Ladybug and Cat Noir, which is a story about uh, two teenage superheroes that, you know, the villain of that constantly, like, transforms people into monsters. The teenagers turn into the superheroes. They defeat the monsters, uh, rinse and repeat for next week. And I was like, oh, okay, there's something about this formula that isn't just my childhood from the 80s. Like, this probably goes back to, like, radio serials with the Lone Ranger. Like, there's probably, you know, th- this this very simplistic formula works for kids. And I don't know the, the psychology to why, but, like, you, it, there's something about that that kind of demands this formula for kids. Well, I think you said something earlier to the effect that it's important to know that this character is going to fail at the outset. You know, it's kind of clear that this, uh, you can almost boo along with the audience, you know, you know this guy's going to lose. And I think that's, what Cobra Commander brings to the table, he's he's the Charlie Brown of villains. I mean, he's born to lose. And, you know, that's what's fun about him. I mean, he's just he's just never going to get it. He's never going to get the football. Well, that's true. But I think, you know, we also get, you know, uh, you, this is a Marvel-created universe. And you look at a lot of Marvel villains who are, you know, Thanos is destined to lose be, by virtue of plot. You know, we're not going to see uh, the heroes lose and, oh, well, that's the end of the galaxy. Thanos won. They, you know, Galactus, the planet-eating nebula, will somehow be defeated. Um, sure, but they play a little bit more with you thinking that, oh, I don't know, maybe this time or maybe someone will die. Where Comics operate with a little bit of a different mandate. And I just think that it's that's what's fun about Cobra Commander is that he's you can just sense the bomb's going to go off in his face. The spores are going to go off in his face. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I, there, I guess you're right. There's a, a safety to this as a viewer um, because, you know, at the end of the day, good will triumph over evil. But you could still have that with a villain who was less ab- absurd than Cobra Commander is, right? You you know, the, the one that my daughter watches, yes, the villain loses every week, but he isn't sitting there. He's rarely going like, no, he doesn't talk that way. Well, that's know? what's fun about it. Right. And that's what we like about watching him lose. I mean, I think that's what he represents to me anyway, in the end. It's like it's basically that Hitler meme on YouTube, you know, where he's like losing his shit. Cobra Commander is just that all the time. <laughs> you fools. Yeah, you fools all the time. Yeah. First it's you fools, you know, haha G.I. Joe, we're superior than you, and then it's you fools, Cobra, you let me down <laughs> again. Right. Your incompetence. You know, as as he hops into some plane to escape. And it's become tiresome to compare the villain of the week to Trump. But, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Cobra Commander, he's got no loyalty to anyone underneath him. He'll throw them under the bus at the drop of a hat. And he will never take responsibility. Never going to take responsibility. <laughs> Impulsive, impatient, needs to be loved. I mean, come <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, God, I mean, if he had a Twitter account, it would definitely be in all caps. Oh, yeah. I Well, I, I would imagine that every, every Cobra Commander line in the script is all caps. Like, that's how he just saw it. Like, we're, we're, I mean, you it, you would think that if you had never seen it, that we were sort of parodying it by doing this voice, but we're not. Like, that. No. that's it. That's what it sounds like. It's, it, yeah. it's a, you know, everything that comes out of his mouth is, you know, just screaming, gloating, posturing and then you know yeah, it's hard to imagine him doing sort of just the regular activities of a person you know like i'm here to pick up my dry cleaning <laughs> you know yeah uh you they don't have inner lives i mean not not just him but none of the characters do i mean right. they're very one-dimensional they, they are just one notch above the action figures that they're there to sell you um right. but i think the fact that it's a toy selling machine for some reason that you know that should be a knock against it, but I think you just sort of, that's the the price of admission. You know, you know that you're getting a, a, a toy selling machine. And so you can just sort of happily just sort of watch it and go, yeah, yeah I know, you know, but, sh- but show me that like laser that's going to carve a picture of Cobra Commander's face into the moon. Another real episode. <laughs> <laughs> I like how somehow that's going to further their goals. Yeah. I'm not sure how. They're going to look up and they're going to go, I guess that guy's in charge. Faces on yep. the moon. Um, there are there are definitely some missions I think that are more just like to service Cobra Commander's vanity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just scanning through here to find another one. plot summary. Cobra invents a molecular degenerator to disrupt all U.S. currency, allowing them to mint their own Cobra money. The Joes must destroy the machine before Cobra can uh, Cobra can take over the world with the face of Cobra Commander on every bit of currency. <laughs> well, see, that's how money works. Kids are learning an important lesson. Right. Whoever's face is on the money, they get to be in control. So. Yeah, they're in charge now. That's awesome. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're so good. The plots are never like you know Cobra plans to assassinate a world leader or cause mass uh, deaths. No, a lot, of, a, a, lot of kidna- and, a lot of kidnapping. A lot of kidnapping. Yeah, we'll yeah, kidnap it's not a like new you world know leader. the dirty bomb episode never comes up. Thankfully, right? Uh, yeah, this, this doesn't work. I don't know how you do GI Joe in a post nine eleven world. Uh, I really don't, because we should talk a little bit about American exceptionalism, I think, Um, because American exceptionalism is baked into the DNA of this show. And I think Cobra Commander is a good villain to play off of that notion because the Joes get to just stomp on him every week, you know, to to demonstrate their superiority. So um, American exceptionalism, to define it is like on the lighter side, it's this, right? It's like, you know, a love of country, it's patriotism. Right. Um, and we can't lose because we're American. And we're the best. We're the best. We're the yeah. best. And, on, and at its best, that doctrine embodies a, a sense of pride and hardworking kind of, a, you know, American can-do attitude that, you know, like we're the best because, you know, we, hey, we, you know, we really believe in these ideals and we, you know, we work hard towards those ideals. It can quickly degrade to the other side of the spectrum, which is jingoism and a narcissistic belief in one's superiority, despite all evidence to the contrary. And well, they do say that Americans yeah. consistently rank first in confidence amongst all nations. Not that's surprising. usually the only one we win on. <laughs> right? Not like healthcare for people. We couldn't yeah, do. We no, couldn't or literacy that. or any of that. No. But we're we're number one in yelling America. So, yeah. you know, um, so is it the Dunning Kruger effect? Is that what it's called when you're too dumb to know what you don't know? <laughs> I don't know. So there's your answer to that. Uh, yeah, um, right. Well, yeah, but you admit it. Yeah, I admit I don't know what the Dunning Kruger effect is by name. Uh, so this version of American exceptionalism, the, the kind of the at least the more innocent version of it, is very much a product of the Reagan era. You know, coming out of the Vietnam War, America just feeling like garbage essentially for everything that happened in the seventies and the 60s, late sixties, what Reagan did right was inspire that sort of 
you know, Americans sort of pick themselves up a little bit, dust themselves off and say, we don't have to just be miserable all the time. We can succeed. We can do all right. Meanwhile, he decided the best thing to do about the Cold War was to, you know, kick the uh, Soviet bear in its balls over and over again, see how well that worked out. And fortunately, we didn't end up in World War III, but maybe not the best plan. But in any event, you, you have this version of America being promulgated by Reagan and you have an easy villain in the Soviets, although they don't go for it. But we're, it's at a point where, like, I think at this point in our history, you did have a really clear sense of a clearer sense than you do now of like, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. You know, it was less right. complicated, I think, than it is now, you know, when you don't have like the American president uh, fawning all over <laughs> North Korea about how wonderful they are. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You know, it's not hard to imagine Donald Trump being like, you know, just had an excellent dinner with Cobra Commander. You know, <laughs> great guy. <laughs> really gets it. Got his people in line. <laughs> <laughs> totally. He would do that. And, and so you get a cartoon like this, which is, I mean, it's literally like Yo Joe is like the big like battle cry. <laughs> For for the Americans. Uh, by the way, you know where the word GI or what that term means, GI Joe? Uh, general interest. Yeah, general interest, <laughs> Joe. Um, so I, I was just curious what GI actually meant because it usually is uh, a term for ground infantry or uh, government issue uh, is what it's normally used or for. Gastrointestinal but, or gastrointestinal. But I guess the original term, the military use of, of GI came from World War One, and it meant galvanized iron uh, huh. for like, I think they were talking about like you'd get your rations in a galvanized iron, you know, a GI like can. Like that was where that came from. So uh, there you go. You're a GI They're, Joe. You're galvanized iron Joes. Okay. Um, I prefer your gastrointestinal. You, it's uh, time for our colonoscopy. <laughs> Yo, Joe. Do you get a Cobra Commander like this one it, after the 80s. And I don't think so. I mean, we have obviously the character endured past the 80s. We get iterations of him in different comics and then reboots of the show and live action movies. And what I watched of it, it ain't the same. You know, it is missing this like kind of simple early 80s secret sauce. It was like, practically nostalgic while it was airing. Right. And it also speaks to like maybe the, maybe because we were young, but there's an innocence to this of like oh, I remember how simple it was to have like good guys with red lasers fight bad guys with blue lasers. Yeah, yeah. it was very considerate of them to have different colored lasers. Yeah, it makes it much easier to avoid them on uh, the battlefield. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I yeah. think that's the Homestar Runner parody, right? It's just called it's like blue laser I and red laser. Is, yes. Yeah, yeah, very different show if they're using like actual ordnance, you know. So definitely important that they had space weapons. Right. No, nobody ever had to like go to the VA and like have their you know legs sewn back on, <laughs> you know, like in, in GI Joe's world. It's, you know, it's hyper violent with no violence at the same time. And it also like it's, it actually predates Top Gun by a few years. But like, there's a whole lot of like, you know, man, you gotta love these war machines. A lot of planes, a lot of vehicles to put your action figures in. Well, in the end, it is true that this show really did speak to a fantasy idea of what it means to be an American and Cobra commander and the Cobra organization were a fictionalized fantasy villain that everyone could gather around and hate because it didn't actually exist. And I think the sad thing is that that fantasy idea of what it means to be an American still persists in a lot of adult minds today. And yet they didn't take the simple lesson of, don't elect Cobra Commander <laughs> to be in charge or a guy like him, you know, mm -hmm. that has all the attributes of him. Another reason you can have the show today, because like imagine like a, a Trumpian president in that universe, he would probably have some nice things to say about Cobra. So I don't know, you know, it just it is really a product of its time. And I'm sure I get tiresome when I always try to like compare it to Trump. But in this case, like it's hard not to think about because you're talking about what it means to be an American, what it means to be an international citizen. And and, and talking the show basically just exists in a completely different space. Well, and you're talking about like political national defense. Yes, these plots are outrageous, but they all involve national security in some way. In a way that, like, you know, a lot of the villains we've covered have nothing to do with that, right? You know, um, yeah. this couldn't be further from something like, you know, Jack the Ripper, who's, like, killing a handful of individual prostitutes 
or Jareth the Goblin. Yeah, he's not King, shrinking right? them down and stepping on them. Yeah. He's not. I'm, I'm vamping as I try and find one. <laughs> Here you go. Cobra steals a dangerous bacteria, which causes a strong bacterium and growth serum to form a living germ monster that consumes everything in its path. <laughs> hey, there you go. Biological Weapons. warfare. I told you some of these plots were very serious. Right. It's like it is biological warfare is very serious. And then you put this patina of nonsense over it. It's not hard to you imagine know. that the writers had a whiteboard and they were putting down actual like war crimes and then <laughs> like yeah. another column of just insane things and then they would just draw lines to right. connect them. All right, you so know? I'm going to pull out of the hat. I've got uh, kidnap a diplomat and I've got on here a chewing gum monster. Okay, okay. <laughs> what can I do with the going to here start our improv scene. Go. Yeah, yeah it exactly. feels That would be a fun uh, d- improv game. Uh Cobra plot. Yeah. The game. Yeah. So Cobra Commander, I think we've pretty much laid it all out. He is uh, born to lose, completely ridiculous, uh, totally fictional. And, you know, I think in that space, in, in, in the fantasy space, he's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it's a lefty liberal like me still has a lot of fond memories of G.I. Joe because I think of it as complete fantasy. And once you start acting like those ideas work in the real world, you get into trouble. Yeah. And, and you know, the thesis of this podcast is usually, you know, why does this villain endure in people's minds? You know, what makes them effective either in, in history or in their fictional medium? And here we are almost 40 years on from this show and we all still, you know, everyone is, you know, immediately recognizes this character, you know, has fond associations with it. And the reason is, I think it's got to be that fun factor. Like, it's just this screeching idiot um, who yeah, is. He makes you feel better about yourself, too. Yeah. You know, you want your enemy, hopefully, you know, this person who hopes to do you harm to be inept you don't want you know it would be a very different show if he was in fact very cunning and successful and you know developing plans that didn't involve moon lasers and shit you want that and it's like you said it's fun to root against him and there's just like something so so fun about revisiting this world and like the ridiculousness of it and partially because i think it is played i won't say it's in earnest, but there isn't any like it's not snarky. It's not um, you know, it's not this like detached postmodern kind of humor that I bet you get in some of these later reboots of of G.I. Joe. There is just like, no, no, he's just a straight up idiot. Let's enjoy that for a minute. You know, there's not right. they, they don't give you that kind of uh, uh detached version. So I think that's what makes him tick. So on the alignment chart, where are hmm. you gonna drop him? He's gotta go chaotic, right? I mean yeah, I think so. He's yes, he's trying to establish some sort of world order. Um, he is very selfish and self interested. You know, those are lawful and neutral concerns. But yeah, this is so over the. You know, I'm gonna you know create a giant graham cracker to block out the sun. You know, whatever it is. You know, it's hard to think of that as anything but chaotic. Yeah, and it's easy to imagine that, and I'm sure these plots have come up at least once where if it would benefit him to turn on Cobra, he would (laughs) like, you know, he's going to look out for himself. There's a lot of plots. Yeah. There's a lot of plots of the double crossing, you know, like we said, you know, other people trying to take him out of the leadership position. And then once he's out trying to reclaim it uh, at the end of the movie, he's turned into a snake and then he literally, they find a way to turn him back into a, a humanoid, you know, like it's, so you get all of that stuff, too, the, like, ups and downs of his leadership. Yeah, and you get the sense that the lack of loyalty is the really the Achilles heel of the Cobra organization, whereas, you know, the Joes, you never leave a man behind, you know, they stick together, and that's their thing. Right. And they have Sergeant Slaughter. A real <laughs> we didn't really talk about all... I mean, this is a, an episode about Cobra Commander. We didn't really get into the, all of the various Joes. I mean... Or villains. Do you have any favorites? There are some strange ones, for sure. Yeah, I don't know them that well. Like I said, this wasn't a cartoon right. that was like I, I was super into, but like uh, I remember Destro. There's the Baroness. I remember her. Um, 
course, mm-hmm. best known. There's Zamat and Tomax, the twins that have inverted names. Yeah, and a scar on opposite cheeks. That's I believe bizarre. they're. I believe they were the ones I was thinking of when they're like they're the money men. Like they somehow like right. bring the, the the legitimate side. There's a there's a like Zantar. an evil Siegfried and Roy. Yeah. Sorry, there's a Xantar, I believe is a, a villain. Uh, I think so. Something like that. Zartan, maybe. Zartan, that's so it. Thank you. Zartan, the master of disguise. There's yeah. Doctor Mindbender. Yeah, who is not a general physician. You don't want to see him for <laughs> your yeah. physical. And it, uh, yeah. They're action figures. They're they're animated action figures. Yeah, so. and then and then and then on the Joe side though, I was saying like there's a bunch of fun ones too. There's like I remember Shipwreck who looks like he works in West Hollywood. <laughs> he's like I guess he's like the Marine, but he always goes around with like this shirt that like the sleeves are cut off, and he's got, like I think he's got like a Marine tattoo like on his chest and stuff, and he's dressed mm-hmm. like or or is no wait no ship is Shipwreck the he might be a Navy guy. I feel like he's dressed like a sailor. Who knows? Who I, even knows? But it's just like yeah. they're in costume all the time. Yeah, it's like uh, what if what if the village yeah. people were given laser cannons a little yeah, there's bit? There's a strong you know? kind of village people quality to a lot of these characters yeah. uh, for surezies. Yeah, logo should do a uh, reboot. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something. Yeah, not a bad idea. Nope. Uh, if you're listening, all right. And the oh, fan casting. Do you have, have you thought about who you this is, play it, Cobra Commander? Yeah, definitely not Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who they got for. Uh, yeah. Rise not, of Cobra. We didn't talk about the movies, and we don't need to talk about. Them. No, we don't. They're, they're not worth talking about. And again, I think the the iconic version of this character is the one we've been talking about for the last fifty minutes. So sure. Um, I do ca- believe in the sequel know. when they made you know a second GI Joe movie, like they opened it with like killing everybody who had been in the previous movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go home. My own planet needs me. So let's see. Uh, fan casting Cobra Commander is a little tough because you know, you're likely not going to see his face. And you don't want to just duplicate that voice because that sort of just is just replicating what we've already got. Wow, this is hard. Do you have someone in mind? I do. I okay. do. I'm not worried about the voice so much because I think there's no one on Earth who talks like that. So I'm just going to set that aside for a second and focus on the sort of sweaty desperation and go with Paul Giamatti. <laughs> yeah, he'd you know, be great. You're right. I, I think having that person who is. You know, yeah, born to lose, right? Um, yeah, that's a good one because he he does play a born loser. Same with like you get like a William H Macy, who's kind of the same thing, right? But um, Paul Giamatti, I think, has that high energy kind of quality to him too. You know, he can really get flustered, and I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I like that that choice. I think that's a, that is a solid choice for for Cobra Commander. I can't think of someone who's like physically more like Cobra Commander, or like has a little bit of a military type presence physically. That would also carry that level of like, you know, lovable loser or like, you know, insane maniac. Like you could picture like a DiCaprio doing it, but I don't know that it works. No, I mean, I just I'm going with someone who I feel like I'm like sideways Paul Giamatti, you know, (laughs) right. Really down on his luck, Giamatti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, all right. Well, let's go with that. And then, uh, all right. So the the matchup here then with last week's character. Well, this is Cobra Commander versus the Goblin King. <laughs> Jareth the Goblin King. Okay. David Bowie. This by is by the a- way. Uh, yeah. How amazing that we recorded that podcast and like a day later they were announcing the sequels in development. So. I feel like that had been. I mean, they did make a kind of a big announcement about it, but I know there. I had seen stories about that being kicked around for a while that that has been talked about. It sounds like they actually made some concrete steps towards developing it so uh we'll see but yeah as a matchup this is tough because like cobra commander is like his dna is to lose you know (laughs) so you know like he's going to lose so at the outset we know he's gonna lose but how yeah kind of plot (laughs) uh you know right he's uh his plan is to uh wish the joes into the goblins no because you're you have to go into the labyrinth to rescue your own people so maybe he wants I don't to know. T- I, you, know, you can write whatever story you want. I think I feel like Cobra Commander uh, acquires a book that allows him to summon the Goblin King mm-hmm. and the goblins and raise an army to fight the Joes. And somehow it just involves uh, him getting dropped into the bog of eternal stench. Yeah. I feel like this is one where you're right that maybe Jareth doesn't even have to do anything directly where he just allows the Joes to come in and mop the floor. With uh, with yeah, 
you know, or, or, you know, yeah, he Jared just would side. I think in this fun guest episode where they somehow in the eighties got David Bowie <laughs> to star on the show as a weird sort of cross promotional effort for the film labyrinth. Uh, he would definitely be having scenes with the Joes, Jareth and, and he'd be like kind of lounging around the Joes, uh, base. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think lady J, uh, and Scarlet would be fanning themselves. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I In can, the presence of this sex king. I could definitely picture uh, Cobra Commander being lost in the labyrinth and like totally flummoxed by the various obstacles. You know, oh, one yeah. of us always tells not, the truth if, and one of us always lies. It's an impossible riddle! <laughs> You know, him and, yeah. and the trash lady going back and forth. Yeah, that's what happens. He gets sucked in. And meanwhile, you know, the rest of the Cobra guys are trying to, like, use the goblins or whatever. And, and we just keep cutting back to Cobra Commander wandering around <laughs> getting ensnared and shit. Yeah, yeah. Trying to find his way out of the labyrinth. Yeah, I feel like he's not uh, smart enough to get through the labyrinth to get to Jareth. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not a bad uh, not a bad yeah. episode. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Well, we're giving it, obviously, to Jareth on that one. Yes, we are. And I think that covers uh, everything from this episode. Anything else we want to say about Cobra Commander before we uh, transition out? Uh, just that I really respect him as a man who is deeply mediocre, but has somehow held on to his position. You know, Cobra Commander means that in and of itself. He says impressive. what we're all thinking, you know? <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to have a beer with Cobra Commander. Right. Um, so uh, some admin stuff. We if, Again, we did this up top. But if you like our show, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes to help increase our visibility. And just also just tell people about it. We'd love to, to get you in here. Um, if you have some feedback for us, send it to at podcast but evil just find us on twitter there and and communicate with us that way if you got thoughts on villains you want to see us cover thoughts on who you think would win these matchups fan casting ideas from you or really just any of your feelings or recollections about these characters uh we would really love to hear from you and and, uh interact with you more that'd be awesome and uh our next villain we're going from a fake despot to a real one we're doing our first tyrant who is Idi Amin. So get out your forks and knives, people. We're going. We're going to eat some cannibal all the time. <laughs> yes, he, he he definitely never tried to create a germ monster, to my knowledge. So this will be a tonal shift. Yes, very much so. And an effective, uh, scary, uh, totalitarian, as opposed to a inept one. Um, so yeah, uh, that's uh, that's Idi Amin. We've got plenty of fun stuff coming down the pike after that. So uh, tune in for those episodes. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, till next time, gentlemen, to evil. Clink. Clink. And now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe.